It all starts with Geno Smith. I love what he's doing. He's efficient. Last game wasn't his most efficient. I think he completed around 65% of his passes, but he was still able to get in and out of the huddle, um, throw the football down the field. I think we saw the most explosive plays through the air last week. When you look at this offense, Big Ray, what do you see? What do you like? Uh, well, I like the, the variety and the diversity of what, what they're doing on offense. So last year we talked a lot, or the last couple years we talked a lot about how it seemed like the run game and the passing game were on two separate tracks and they hadn't been kind of blended together or married together is my term. And uh, this year it seems more married together. So you see the variety in the run game that kind of mirrors the passing game. So the play action pass game, the run, the, the first two or three steps looks like a run play. It, g- it gives uh, um, Gino a chance to get outside the pocket where he has some space to throw the ball. And then the running game. The running game has been really, it started out slow. Penny wasn't getting as many carries as we'd like, but uh, it has picked up the last few weeks. Unfortunately, Penny is out right now. But uh, that's what I like. It seems like a very comprehensive uh, uh, offense that is kind of gelled and well together. On t- uh, and on top of that, the newness in the quarterback, even though he'd been around, he's, but he's a new starter. You have two rookie uh, tackles playing, and you have a new center. So to be able to bring all of that together and have that type of production with this offense is pretty cool. First off, I, I feel bad. I didn't give my guy the proper, like, <laughs> announcement right now. This is Big Ray, 10th round, 10th uh, pick, sorry, no 10th right. round, 10th pick in the, what, 90-what draft? 92. 92 draft. He was here with the Seahawks. He was there with the Detroit Lions, blocked for him, and he is uh, my partner when it comes to the pre-halftime and post-game show on the radio. So whenever I have offensive line are just any type of ideas, I always lean on Ray Roberts, man. And one thing, Ray, that I like, too, is that, DK and Tyler Lockett both shine last right. week. Tyler Lockett had two touchdowns. DK had one, probably should have had two. But I feel like the expansion of the uh, the pass game is a result of one getting the tight ends involved and having a strong run game. Yeah, well, I think the the cool thing about the offense too is that uh, you know they're they're using all the weapons. Last year it was like. One game it would be DK, yeah. the next game it was uh, Tyler, so it was like they're kind of loading up from game to game. But uh, Gino and Shane Waldron, to his credit, uh, Gino is executing an offense that's using everybody. I, I remember, I think it was four games into the season last year, the tight ends had 17 targets total. And this year, you can see that you know they all have touchdowns. They all get multiple targets each game. They have multiple catches each game. And so, and then the running game is going. And then you have a game where both Tyler and DK are shining in the same game. So that's just something you didn't see in the last couple right. of years. And so to be able to have um, Geno operating the offense that way and Shane kind of you know, organizing and, and calling plays that way is a good thing for the Seahawks. Now, the highlight has been the offense, right? We can all agree upon that. That offense has been firing on all cylinders. It looks good. Um, last week, they were in the greatest on third downs. I believe they were one for nine, but they were still able to create explosive plays. We got to talk about this defense. I understand <laughs> that, um, it, at least for me going into the season, I thought that the defense would carry the offense, right. but it's the complete opposite. And I look at what the offense has, and in hindsight, it's usually 2020, unless we're talking about the uh, the Mariners and Robbie <laughs> Ray and all that stuff, right? But hindsight's 2020. I'm looking at this thing, and I'm like, all right, well, Geno's a veteran. You got two really good receivers. You got a tight end room. That looks good. Mm-hmm. The only question mark probably was on that offensive line. So now when I look at that defense, I'm thinking, all right, there's a new scheme. You got new coaches. You have rookies who are contributing right now. When you look at this defense, 
how do we get right? I mean, it's a broad question, yeah, but, but yeah. how do we get right? Well, it's not something they're going to be able to fix overnight, right? So they're going to have to chip away at it, and then in maybe two or three games we can decide, like, if they're getting better or not. But it, when I look at it, all those things you just said, you have a new scheme, you have some new players, we have new coaches, and I think uh, Bruce Irvin, they just signed this yep. week or yesterday. He's 35, right? 35 years 36, old. 36. But he hit the, I ain't playing football right now. <laughs> he hit the nail on the head when he said that he thought that the communication was an issue. And uh, when you think about all of that newness, new system, new players, yeah. new coaches, uh, man, it could it could be something that simple. And you may say, like, well, how hard it is to get people lined up. But there's a lot of different calls and checks and things that are going on on defense that you need to communicate and, and or be able to learn to communicate to a person to get the best out of right. them. That's part of communication, too. But uh, I think, you know, to be honest with you, too, though, I think there may be some players – that may not quite fit the system. You know, like, right. you know, like the if you look at Puna Ford, I think, you know, his his greatest skill is his quickness and his speed and leverage. Just getting after the getting after people. But yeah. now he's been asked to sit back and read and then react. Mm -hmm. And he's a little smaller guy, so you're playing against bigger dudes, taking on double teams. So it kind of makes him a little less effective. So you have to kind of take those things in consideration. But I think the communication and then just guys just really feeling comfortable and free in the defense is what's going to make the difference. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it, what's crazy about this, this defense is that the plays, the bigger plays that are being made are being made by – the young guys, man. Yeah. You got Kobe Bryant, two weeks in a row of forced fumble. You got Tariq Woolen, three weeks in a row with an interception. So I know that you guys out there are panicking about this defense, as you should, right? They're getting up a lot of points, a lot of yards, but I want you to look deeper into what's going on and, and find some positives because going into the season, I doubt anyone here would say this is a playoff team. They're going to win 10 games. If you thought this team was going to win 10 games, raise your hand. Exactly. Right. So <laughs> oh, we got we got one in the back, young rich in the back. All right. But in reality, we thought like this is a team that is trying to figure out who they are and how to build. And when you see young guys making these plays consistently, that's what you should be focused on. I get we want to win games, but we got to find some positives somewhere, right? Yeah, I mean, you have to. And then even if you look at some of the other new guys on the team, like uh, Nuosu, I mean, I think he's only been in the league, what, four or five years? Yeah. So he's, he's still young. relatively a, a young dude, and he's out there you know, making an impact and making a play. Jordan Brooks is, what, his second year? Kobe, uh, Cody Barton, like, there's still a bunch of young dudes. You don't have right. to be a rookie to be young. So this defense is really young, to, to, if you really think about it. But the cool thing is that when the Seahawks of old, the Legion of Boom, all those dudes that were coming along, they were playing a bunch of young guys. And those guys, you had to take your lumps and your and your humps with them. And, and so I, I think that that's kind of where they are. Like, But it wasn't a new system, but I think that's kind of where they are in the development of this of the players that are in the system. So we'll see how it goes. I think if they can get some handle on the run game, First, I think that'll help them a little bit because then they can pin their ears back and get after the quarterback, but they have to find a way to stop the run or other the teams are just going to keep doing it. All right, so let's talk about Shane Waldron, the offensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. Last year, you got Russell Wilson, future Hall of Fame quarterback, maybe. It, it feels like I know like <laughs> recent history makes you think that he's not going to get in, but when you look at his resume, obviously this guy can play some good football. Um, last year I felt like he was kind of handcuffed by Russell Wilson because you're you're dealing with a guy who's been there and who's done it, who has his own views right. on how he thinks this offense should roll. But this year you got Geno Smith, a guy who has sat for eight years, you know what I mean, who has learned from Russell, from Eli, from Phillip Rivers. And I, 
I feel like he's able to blossom and right. really be his true self. We know what it's like being a player and being able to be your true self. And I think that's what we're seeing offensively. And I love the, the variety. I love the shifts, the motions, again, the tight ends involved. The tight ends have been more involved this year than we've ever seen before. When you think of Shane Waldron as a play caller opposed to this year and last mm -hmm. year, what are your thoughts? What do you think? Well, I, I, I think like you think. I think he's been freed up to kind of call the game the way he the way he wants to call it. I remember, I think it was maybe the first game, and we're sitting there watching the game, and, and uh, it was like, we're like, man, there's no way they're going to be able to go in like a, a eight or nine play, 70-yard drive, and they were able to do that, and that has kind of been what they do. They go, they, they're able to dink and dunk when they need to, and then at you know second game of the season, they open up the playbook so that they can start taking shots down the field, right. and it's not like taking shots to just take shots. You know, they're setting up the plays. They're they're you know drawing in the defense, drawing in the coverage, and then take shots over the over the top. And then the cool thing about all of that is that Geno is playing within his ability. He's not trying to be Russell Wilson. He's not trying to be Lamar Jackson. He's not trying to be Tom Brady. He's just been you know he's just been Geno Smith. And as long as he stays in that lane. And as long as Shane can make these adjustments as teams start to kind of zero in on what they like to do and take those things away, I think, you, I think you'll still see the same offense. All right. I like what I'm seeing so far. Hey, we got a great squad right here at Bellevue Square Center Court. When we return, we'll talk to Darren Urban from Cardinals.com. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Right now, we are joined by Darren Urban from Cardinals.com. Darren, what's up, man? I'm doing good. How are you? We are good, man. Thanks for joining us. And, uh, you know, this is a division rivalry going on right now. And I look at the Cardinals, Darren, and I see a team that is potent, a team that could explode at any moment, moment offensively, defensively. When you guys look at the Seahawks, be honest with me, bro. What do you see? I see a team that's playing uh, much better offensively than I'm thinking everybody would have guessed at the time. Um, and I see a defense that's obviously struggling, and, and it's kind of funny because in a lot of ways it's the exact opposite of what the Cardinals are going through right now. Their defense, the Cardinals' defense, is actually playing pretty well right now, and their offense just has not been able to find any kind of consistency. So uh, it's going to be real interesting to see how these teams actually match up on the field and, and how, it, how it kind of filters out because, um, like I said, right now it seems like the strength of one team is, is facing the weakness of the other team and, and what that means on the scoreboard will be I, I'm curious to see Hey Darren, uh, speaking of your offense and you know this offseason there was a lot of talk going on with Kyler Murray and his social media page and then the contract and the clauses in the contract about studying film uh, from the, the small sample size you've had this year have you seen growth in him from what you saw last year to this year? I have seen growth in him, um, and some of it is off the field type of stuff. I mean, I, I think right now they're not getting, uh, and, and this goes for offense across the board, but obviously it starts with the quarterback. I don't think they're getting the kind of play uh, consistently that they like to get, get from him. Now, what, why that is, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's because they're 
starting slow and having to play from behind all the time, if it's because uh, they're not being able to get enough explosive plays. I mean, right now this team has got one play of, of 30 yards this season, and that's just not going to get it done in today's NFL. So when it comes to Kyler, I mean, he's still a very effective quarterback, uh, and they'll get DeAndre Hopkins back next week. Um, but this offense was supposed to be better than it is right now, and they've got to figure out why it's been kind of sluggish. Darren, one, I want to make a statement because um, I love the black helmets. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> I love the black helmets. I don't know how they're received over there in Arizona. And two, um, I want to ask you about just the production of Marquise uh, Brown, man, Hollywood Brown. He's been doing his thing. He had a catch and run last week that was extremely impressive, something that you don't just do in the NFL unless you have the wiggle and the burners to do it. How do you feel about him and this receiving core in general? Um, well, let me start by saying I like the helmets, too. Uh, you know, they only wear them a couple times, but I do like the helmets. Um, I, I think, quite frankly, I think Hollywood has been uh, exactly what they were hoping for. Now, you know, the idea ultimately is for him to team with DeAndre Hopkins. So that changes some things not only for him, uh, but for Hopkins, and it'll make things tougher for defenses. Now, obviously, that's going to be a moot point this weekend because Hopkins isn't playing. But considering um, of who he's got around him and Hopkins is not playing, I think Hollywood's done a really nice job. It took a couple weeks uh, for everything to kind of come together, but uh, he's impressed me. He did have a drop last week that could have been a long touchdown, but for yeah. the most part, his hands have been really good. Um, he's made some catches in traffic that the reputation was he wouldn't, and he has, uh, and he's been their most effective receiver. And he's one of the things that they can point to offensively that you've been really excited about. Hey, Darren, uh, on your defensive side, J.J. Watt uh, has four sacks in the in the five games here, but uh, there was uh, a procedure that he went through last week before the game. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that was and then also just the impact of having him on the field? Well, he went through. It, was, uh, it came out not before last week, but two weeks ago before they played Carolina. There was going to be – there was a leak that he had had an AFib situation where he essentially had to go under and have his heart shocked back into regular rhythm uh, in the middle of the week. Uh, that was on a Thursday, and then he ended up playing Sunday. And it had leaked out, and uh, somebody was going to report on it Sunday morning, so he decided to tweet it, and we talked about to him after the game. And he was emotional about just the whole situation. He's got a baby that's going to be born, his first kid in the next couple weeks. And there was just a lot, a lot of him emotionally at the time. But all the doctors said what he was doing was – uh, there was nothing wrong with it. He could go ahead and play. He wasn't risking anything. So he's played. And this team is better when J.J. Watt's on the field. I mean, uh, last week was one of the few times they've lost when he's been able to play. Um, he's not J.J. Watt of 2014, but he's still very effective. And, uh, and their defensive line has played well. Zach Allen is their best defensive lineman. Their defense, considering a couple of the pieces they've lost in the offseason, has played really well lately. And, and again, that's why I'm very curious to see, okay, how does Zach Allen and J.J. Watt and cornerback Byron Murphy and, and Buda Baker, how do those guys stack up to how Geno Smith has been doing? We're talking to Darren Urban from Cardinals.com. My question to you is, man, this team has been successful on the road, has struggled at home. 
Why is that? And do they recognize that and think that they're going to come in and loom in field and just uh, do their thing? I assume that every team thinks that <laughs> they're just going to show up and play yeah. good ball. But what, what's the difference between home and away with this team? I, I'm sure they wish they knew um, because the home thing has been a, a become a real problem uh, in terms of how it's gone and, and the frustration of the fans. It's, it's funny because um, even before they started playing really well on the road, this team has done really well in Seattle over the last decade or so for whatever reason. Even when uh, the Cardinals weren't the best, they were able to find some ways. I mean, even last year, they didn't have Hopkins, and they didn't have Kyler Murray, and they were still able to win that game. So um, I don't know why there's a comfort level in, in Seattle, but they've played pretty solid football. Um, but in terms of the, of the bigger picture, I, I can only guess that they feel, uh, you know, a little bit more us against the world on the road. But uh, if they could figure it out, they absolutely would have brought it home because they've lost eight row at home. And that's, again, that's been a sticking point. This week, it's not as bad because you're playing a road game, but they know in the back of their heads Thursday night they got to come back home and everybody's going to be talking about it again. Hey, Darren, uh, the Seahawks have three very capable, talented tight ends and uh, that, that can really challenge your, your second-level defenders. And I assume that maybe Isaiah Simmons will, will get some of that coverage. How do you think uh, those matchups will, will fare with uh, Isaiah? Well, you know, Isaiah's had kind of an interesting season. He, he came out the first week. He was charged with trying to take on Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs, which is a tough first week for any team going against Patrick Mahomes, and he lit him up. And Isaiah Simmons didn't play well, lost uh, lost some t- playing time until he kind of figured some things out. He's back to playing full-time. I think Isaiah's playing better. He's an athletic freak, and uh, he's got it in him to play very effectively, uh, and he's made some plays against Seattle in the past. But um, they're looking; they're still looking for consistency from him. And uh, I, I think he's a guy that's got to play well. Him and Zayvon Collins, a couple of first-round linebackers, they're the kind of guys that need to play well. I mean, ultimately, um, as, as good as Geno Smith has been, they want to make sure they stop Kenneth Walker this weekend. They want to make sure that the Seahawks are facing some third and longs. And, uh, and Isaiah Simmons is going to be a big part of that. He is Darren Urban from Cardinals.com. Man, we appreciate you taking time out of your day and hollering at us, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right, dude. All right. Hey, if you are not here, get here. If you are here, make sure you holler at my guy, Richie, over there. We got raffles going down. That's going to happen soon. But when we return, we're going to talk to corner Artie Burns. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Now we are joined by... Artie Burns, corner for the Seahawks. What up, Artie? How you, Artie, how you doing? What's up, man? I'm doing good, man. We good, man. Thanks for joining us on uh, your uh, your night off, I should say. Um, how's your body feeling, man? How's the mental feeling? What's your your whole mind state right now, bro? Uh, man, you know, body feeling good. You know, mind feeling good. You know, um, looking forward to this weekend. Uh, to get this uh, get this win. Hey, Artie, this is uh, Ray Roberts. Uh, you've, you've been in the league for six years, and so you've played a lot of football. And, uh, and then coming here to Seattle with, with this new system and things, and it hasn't quite gone how people have expected on defense. What, what would you say as a veteran guy who's been around, uh, what would you say is uh, you know, maybe the, the point at which they need to get better? What are some of the things they need to do? Uh, you know, it's still early. You know, um, 
everybody still guys still figuring out how to play off each other. You know, it just all it all just depends on that time when they finally click. You know, and uh, everybody's on one page and you know, getting getting the job done, execute throughout the whole game. Hey, Artie, um, you and uh, Coach Desai are pretty close. Did that factor into your, your decision-making when it comes to uh, coming out here to the Northwest and, and joining the Seahawks? Uh, yeah, he was, he, was a, he was a part of, you know, uh, being familiar with, uh, with, his, with his system and stuff like that. And, uh, uh, and then uh, off-season prior to this, the, the last one, uh, Seattle reached out for me to come out here. And, uh, you know, I just chose Chicago. Because I, I did one year out there. I did one year out there already, so, you know, I just chose. But this time, I, you know, I want to come out here to, you know. Hey, Artie, what's, um, what's his football mind like? We keep hearing great things. I heard he was a professor at a college while he was at Chicago. If you could describe him when it comes to the, the mental of the game, how would it be? Uh, you know, he, he's, you know, he's very creative, you know, with, with the defense. You know, he, uh. You know, got ways for you know for for everybody to work off each other. You know, uh, all eleven players one. You know, and I'm putting guys in the right place. You know, to uh, you know to make plays. You know, from the front line to the back end. Yeah, uh, Artie. When you look at that defensive back room, uh, obviously the, the two rookies and Kobe Bryant and uh, Tariq Woolen are playing good football. But all of you guys in that room are ballers. Like, so what is Right at this point, what is your role in that? And then, uh, what do you see in these two rookie uh, defensive backs? Uh, you know, uh, I just you know, as a guy been in the league for you know some years, you know, I just try to be a, a you know uh, uh, the best I can, best teammate I can to those guys. You know, uh, I was you know I had guys like Joe Hill and Mike Mitchell and William Gay when I was a younger younger guy. You know, they kind of like you know. Gave me, you know, tools, you know, as I, when I was a young guy to, to make it, make my way through, you know, through the years, you know, and uh, I just, you know, try, try to be a great teammate, you know, like how they, how they, how those guys were. But those two guys, they, they, you know, they make a lot of plays, and I see them, you know, having a, a, a good career. You know, they just keep, keep doing what they're doing, and you know, standing the playbook. Hey, Artie, I'm from California, and you know, there's a. Uh... A few states who want to claim they they produce the best football players, but I look at Florida, I can't even front, bro. <laughs> like Florida, <laughs> Florida puts them on, out. Man. Like, hey, I'm at me. I mean, don't you can't just just stomp on Cali like that. But <laughs> what what is it about Florida that that allows you guys to put these dudes out year in and year? Out? What is it? Man, it's just you know, just the you know the competition, you know the weather, you know it just breed that it just breed those athletes, you know and. Uh, it's been going on for so many years, you know, and uh, you know, I'm just proud to be from, you know, where I'm from, you know, and be able to do what I can, what I can do, you know, and um, but you know, we're most definitely the best state in football, you know, show me state. All right, I'm gonna show some love for sure. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you, you mentioned the weather because that humidity is something else, right? That that air is hugging you out there. Um, you out here in the Northwest now. Where it's it's a bit thinner, you know. what I'm saying it's a bit colder. Obviously, you spent some time in Chicago. How does that uh, affect your your play, or do you feel like it don't matter where you at? You're gonna line them up and knock them down. No, nah, it don't. It don't really matter. You know, uh, definitely been well. Most all of my career, I've been up north. You know, from Pittsburgh to Chicago. You know, and um, I'm just looking forward to you know the, the weather. The weather change right now is great, so I'm good right now. 
<laughs> hey, Artie, when, when you're not on the field, uh, what are some of the things that you do in your free time that's, that's not football related? Uh, you know, I got I got two younger boys, uh, AJ and Saint, eight and five. You know, I spend most of my time with them. You know, and uh, you know, my wife Ella. You know, and um, I got I have a mentor program, Miami Dream. You know, that's what I mostly do in the off season. You know, spend time with with some of the youth out there in uh, Miami that play sports and stuff like that. Um, and I just about it, man. I'm all I'm all sports all the way, pretty much. <laughs> I feel it. You uh, you got your boys in sports right now. What they playing? Uh, so my oldest boy, but both of them playing football and uh, track. You know, my oldest boy, he uh, he's doing pretty good in both of those. He plays for Air Academy out here. Uh, he that's a pretty uh familiar. Out of Seattle, is a, a familiar uh, team out here. Well, Bumpus would be the the guy that that knows all of all those teams. <laughs> but uh, but no, uh, when you. What do you see that's different about, you know, like a lot of players come here or they start here and they leave and come back and they say, man, like this, the organization is different. The way it's run is different. Pete Carroll, is, his, his rhythm is different. Uh, what is it that, is it, is it really, is that really true? And if, if so, what is it that makes it different? Uh, it's true. You know, uh, the difference that I, I feel it is that uh, Pete do a good job of like uh just, just making, just letting guys be them, you know, be you, you know, and, uh, and creating a good culture of, you know, positive vibes. You know, the first day I came, first meeting I had uh, with Seattle, the coaches in the back of the room was just going crazy, making noise, you know, just cheering on, you know. I'm like, what's going on? And then it just, just catch on to you, and you, you become a part of that energy, and then that energy is just keep the building going, you know. It's just, just positive vibes throughout the whole building, you know. And then you know, Pete take care, take care, take good care of you guys. You know, uh, well health wise, you know, just a, a great spot. You know, from that too. Hey, Artie, I, I look at this defense, and obviously you look at the numbers, and you say, okay, they're giving up a lot of a lot of yards. But I look at the defense, and I say, yeah, a lot of yards, but they're close to shutting a lot of this stuff down. Um, do you feel the same way, and why do you feel that way? Because uh, these a bunch of playmakers all the way across the board, you know. Uh, guys show they can make plays, you know. Uh, you know, we know we can make a lot of plays. And like I said, it's all about being consistent throughout the whole game. And we'll be able to, you know, be the good things that we know we can do. All right, Artie, Artie man, we appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day. You guys uh, keep preparing and do your thing, man. Look forward to seeing you on a Sunday. And I most definitely appreciate it. Appreciate having me on. All right, no problem. Come join us here at Hawks Live at Bellevue Square Center Court where you'll have a chance to win gift cards from the Bellevue Collections Dining District. Tonight, they're giving away gift cards to Fago de Chao, Daniels, Boiler, Cypress Lunge, Wine, Wine and Bar, Cactus, Duke Seafood, and Thai Kitchen Pepper. All right. That's coming up next. Hey, we're going to go around the NFL. We're sitting here at Bellevue Square Center Court. I'm Michael Bombas. That's Ray Roberts. That's next right here on Hawk Slide. Time for us to go around the NFL. Let's do it. And you know what? We're going to go around the NFL, Ray. And we're going to start with Ron Rivera and the Commanders. Now, we're talking about quarterback play and why some are better than the others. Here's what he had to say. Why do you think the teams in the division are farther ahead at this point? Quarterback. The truth is that this is a quarterback-driven league. And if you look at the teams that have been able to sustain success, they've been able to build it around a specific quarterback. 
Man, <laughs> is he calling this quarterback out now? Carson Wentz is over there. He had a decent year at Indy the year prior, mm-hmm. but now he's over there with the Commanders, and he seems to be struggling a little bit. If you are, I'm gonna put your 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 head coach cap on right yeah. now. Would you call your quarterback out like that? And if you are doing that, what does that mean? Well. I think that's a tough, as a leader, unless you're, like, really trying to send a message. Uh, you may be getting called out, like, uh, uh, you know, the position group or something. But quarterback is tough because you're, it's usually just that one dude that's playing. Uh, and so he may have been trying to send a message. But from what I've seen and the way I, and the way they've played, I can't say that Carson Wentz is the reason that they're losing. You know, their defense isn't playing well. It's not playing up to par. Uh, the offense, uh, you know, other than McLaren, they don't have any any other receivers that are kind of making plays. Uh, I think that's a tough thing to do. When I played in Detroit, uh, Bobby Ross called us out, like called different dudes out by name, <laughs> by name after a game, and it didn't go over well. Sometimes when you have a conversation with a player and be like, hey, like, you know, like I made, I don't know if you're going to tell them you're going to say things, but you, you have a tough conversation, so you kind of anticipate they might say something about yeah. the quarterback play or the offensive line play or whatever. But when it just kind of comes out like that, that's a tough one to, that's a tough one to take. That, that could, I know he apologized or he kind of backpedaled a little bit on it, but uh, that's going to be a tough one for Carson Wentz to overcome, I think. That's tough, and right now it's 12-7. to 7. The commanders are up. Carson Wentz is 12-22, 99 yards, no <laughs> touchdowns, no interceptions, but he also has three sacks. So now let's move on to Devontae Adams. If you saw the video of Devontae Adams here, raise your hand. All right, so we got some people who know what's going on. Devontae Adams, tough game for the Raiders. I could break down the play and what happened at the end of the game uh, more specifically, but I'm not going to do that. In the end of the day, he ran into Hunter Renfro, or Hunter Renfro ran into him, and they didn't complete the pass. He's walking into the tunnel. There is a photographer that crosses his face. He pushes him down on the ground, and now that guy is suing. That young man <laughs> is suing, I should say. He's a college student. Um, what's your assessment of that whole situation? I, let me give you what I think first. I right. think that... One, I understand the emotion behind the moment, and no one is perfect, but um, he didn't deserve to get pushed, but I also think the guy that got pushed is okay. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one, man, because uh, both, you know, that guy's you know, doing his job too. And, you know, maybe he's a rookie to the stadium and doesn't know to, you know, to stay out of the path of the players. And then I think a guy like uh, Devontae Adams or any guy that's running off the field, you got to be able to control your emotions a little bit. Like I was a dude that after a bad game, I, I mean, it, I've had to, I've taken a taxi home before and just told my wife, just go home. Cause I, <laughs> because I get in the car and you ask me a crazy question, I might jump out the car. Or something. I don't, because I just so, just upset. But, uh, and so you got to be able to control that. Now, the, the filing a, you know, a assault charge and stuff, uh, that's a little far. You know, I, I think, you know, Devontae Adams tried to apologize right away. Uh, and then, and then the guy filed charges. But that's kind of the culture of our, country now you know everyone's trying to either counsel somebody or get paid off someone and something like that so it's unfortunate that it happened but i don't know that it needed to elevate to the point that he was charged with any kind of assault yeah it's unfortunate and um it makes sense because like you said the world we live in right now like mm-hmm. people are going to look for an edge whenever they can right. get it so all right and now let's let's move on to the uh, the carolina panthers matt rule is gone He's had, what, several years to try to get it done. You bring over Baker Mayfield. He's not getting it done. It's unfortunate because 
a coach is fired because the quarterback, I guess that he wanted, isn't doing what he's supposed to do. But it makes sense. The coach is always the first one to go. But on the flip side, he's walking away with $40 million. He, he <laughs> right, might have sat right. in that office and been like, oh, man, this, this is unfortunate. I apologize. But he walks out that door, and he's taking $40 million in his back pocket. Well, I'm originally from North Carolina. And so I grew up in Asheville, North Carolina. And, uh, and so I, I kind of try to watch that team. And I know what the, what the environment is like around that team. And uh, he came in, Matt Rule came in as this offensive dude. And the offense just has not done anything since he's been there. And so I think Baker Mayfield is probably just the last straw on the pile that, that made everything happen. And I'll be honest with you, I was a Baker Mayfield fan. Like yeah. I, I, The dude that figured it out on every level, and I figured it would take him a little bit, but he'd figure it out on this level. And he just, just hasn't done it. He's just not that dude. And so then that was just, the, the uh, I guess, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, you know, is that because being back there, like I went back there even when at the end of um, – of uh shoot what's the quarterback used to be there uh sam darnold no where that carolina cam cam newton sorry i don't know how i forgot that <laughs> went back there and he wasn't even playing and 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 that dude people can say what they want to say about him but he had galvanized that whole region so right. parts of north carolina parts of south carolina and when you go back there now uh it's 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 just so much it's like the little charlie brown character that has a cloud walking over him that's how the panthers organization feels right now it does feel that way. And what's unfortunate, too, is they have one of the most versatile players in the game yeah. on when that roster. And when he's healthy, right? And we all know the running back position, it ain't for long. Right. Like you're, if you are a an elite running back, you got maybe five, six years in this league. The best ones go about eight to ten years. Uh, it's hard to see. So let's talk about these records in the NFL, man. I look at the Philadelphia Eagles, and I don't know what to think. They barely beat the Arizona Cardinals last week, but they are undefeated. Right. When you look at that team, I see Jalen Hurts. I see A.J. Brown. I see Devontae Smith. I, I see Miles Sanders. I look at this team, and I say, all right, this is a complete team. Defensively, they're top five. Offensively, they're top five. They cause a lot of turnovers. What are your thoughts on, on the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, the thing to me, I think if you just look at their rosters, probably one of the better rosters just from a personnel uh -huh. point of view in the entire league. And I think they play very good complementary football. The defense uh, has been good for years, and it's just been a while for the, for the offense to catch up. And then Jalen Hurts was always like, man, is he going to be that missing piece? Is he going to be able to elevate his game? to a place that can complement those other pieces that you just named on offense. And to, I don't know, maybe to a lot of people's surprise, but maybe not his just because he's kind of a dude that kind of gets in and grinds and does what he has to do. Uh, I think they're a very solid football team. They're obviously not going to go undefeated or whatever, but I think they're a team to be content to, to contend with. Yeah, they may have squeaked one by on Arizona, but, man, that happens. You're not going to you know, beat everybody by right. 14 points. And But I, the the thing that I like is their foundation is firm, right? They have a good offensive line. They have a good front seven. They can get after the quarterback with just four dudes. Mm -hmm. So then they can play you know, more guys in coverage. And Dar uh, Slay is a, a very good man-to-man -man cover guy. So uh, I, I think it's a very solid team. Now, would, are they, would I pick them to win the Super Bowl? I don't know. But I think they can, get, they can make it really interesting down the stretch. What's crazy about the NFC East, <laughs> you got Philly 5-0. and 
Cowboys four and one, the Giants four and one, and then you got the Commanders at one and four. That's the most suspect division I've ever yeah. seen with teams that are doing well. You're still waiting on to see if Dak Prescott comes back. You're still waiting on to see if Danny Dimes continues his thing over there with the Giants. But let's go over to the NFC West. This is a an interesting division in itself. Everyone's two and three. Rams, Cardinals, Seahawks, except for the 49ers with the best defense in the league. They're at three and two. It's bad as this defense has played for the Seattle Seahawks. They are still in the mix. They get a win this weekend. They can bump up to number two in the NFC West. Yeah, you know when you when you start uh, in the in NCAA basketball and, they, and the tournament starts and they go like, oh man, this is this one team coming into the, to the tournament and nobody wants to play? Yeah. I think if Seattle's defense even improves four or five spots from where they are, they become that team. Right. Because no one expected that out of them. No one expected this offense to work the way it has worked with a, 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 a like a career backup, basically, and Geno Smith, two rookie tackles, uh, undersized center, you know, a, a running back that, uh, that coming into the season that had maybe just shown, you know, shown himself for the last five games last year. All this new defensive players and dis- personnel and change. If the defense can improve their spot, four or five spots, they become one of those teams that you do not want to play. And even if even if they're not in a position to get to the playoffs, if you're a, a playoff team that needs that win, it's going to be a tough out. Spoiler. Absolutely. That's, that's what yeah. the, this team is right now. And I look at this division, and it makes sense that the Niners are up top because they have the best defense. You look at the Los Angeles Rams. Stafford's going to turn the ball over if you put any type of pressure on him. You don't know what you're going to get out of the Arizona Cardinals. Then you look at the Seahawks, you're like, okay, if you get into a shootout, you have a chance to win. When I look at this division, it's the most up in the air that I feel like it's been in a, right. in a long time. Be- because going into the season, you're thinking, okay, all right, 49ers, all right, the Rams. But um, it's still up for grabs right now, right? Yeah, it is. And and I, I have a feeling that the 49ers were kind of raised to the top. The Rams look like they're just in their offense is just in disarray. The offensive line isn't very good. Uh, uh, and Stafford is throwing the ball all over the place and getting sacked. And so I, I'm not really sure they're going to come out of that. But there's something about the 49ers that make me feel like they're going to kind of find their balance and then kind of rise to the top. And then the Seahawks will have a chance if the defense is better to kind of have that rivalry going again for the top of the division. Well, you know what? Football is all about balance. Life is all about balance. It's all about balance. Okay. When we return, we're going to talk to Ken Walker right here in person. That's next right here on Hawks Live. I got my guy, Ray Roberts. And you we know got- it. We got some beautiful fans right here in front of us. And right now we are joined by K9. That's what they call you? K9, K-Dub. Let's go, baby. This guy had a 69-yard touchdown last week for a touchdown. It was beautiful. And you know what I thought? Man, I'm watching you do that, and I go, man, his first touch for Michigan State was 70. You know, he missed it. He missed it by by one yard. And it sounds like... Um, Gino went up to the line of scrimmage and kind of audibled into that thing. When you hear the audible and you know you're getting the rock, what are you thinking? Um, pretty much just lock in, you know. Uh, I know I got to read my keys. Um, but with that touchdown, you know, my offensive line and the wide receivers made it much easier for me. 
know, if you see the cutback, it's a big hole right there. So those guys work hard, and I feel like they get, need a lot of the credit for that too. For sure. Hey, sometimes a lot of a lot of guys, or when you hear running back say, "I have to read my keys," mm-hmm. like, and so as a casual fan, you're like, "Well, what are they reading? Are they right. reading the offensive line, the defensive line, the linebackers?" So give us a, just an example of what mm-hmm. those keys are. Right. So um, with the mid zone, that was a play we ran. Um, you know, we read from the end man on the line of scrimmage. You got a lot that goes into it. Right. So like your footwork, it matters, and then. So, like, with that, you read that defensive end. So, from him, then you go to C-gap, B-gap, and A-gap. Gotcha. So, it's like a whole process you got to go through. And that's just one run. So, like, you got a lot of different run- runs with different reads. There's nothing like a zone, man. I-, I played running back a little bit in high school. I was more of a receiver. But the zone allows you to kind of do your thing. So, now there's – you're going to be the starter back there at RB. Mm-hmm. You got Abe Lucas. You got Charles Cross. Mm-hmm. Y'all on like a text thread talking about, hey, Ricky's taking over. Let's go. Yeah. Ricky, Ricky's doing their thing. Nah, um, those guys have done great, you know, since week one. You know, even in camp, you know, those guys have been doing great. You know, they work real hard in practice. You know, they compete. So I love being able to see those guys work as hard as they have, but also, you know, be rookies. So it's like cool to see. Yeah. So what what is it uh, that you are either have learned mm-hmm. or, you are, or you're learning about being First of all, an NFL player, and right. then secondly, being a running back in the NFL. Right. So first off, with that, being a pro, like in the league, it's like that's what I had to learn is to be a pro, you know. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn to take care of my body more, eat better, you know, eating hard. I mean, eating better is like the hardest part. <laughs> but like, you know, you got to learn how to eat better, you know, sleeping. That was pretty hard, too, because like I love playing a game. Yeah. So like I used to always be up on the game. Like, after I got a routine, and it's like really getting a routine to take care of your body. So, like, once I got that routine, it became much more easier for me. And what was the second question? Uh, what as a, as a running back, okay. what have you learned? Yeah, just be more precise. You know, I can't, like, because the holes close up much mm-hmm. faster, too. You know, the speed of the game changes a little bit. It gets a little faster. So, um, pretty much being more, more precise and also knowing that these defenders are super smart, bro. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you're talking about eating better and sleeping better because... Uh, my first maybe month in the league, I ate like crap, right. and I did not sleep at all. I'm thinking right. I'm on my my college my college tip, and I used to stay up playing 2K, COD, and Tiger Woods golf. So, uh, what what are your games? What do you Bro, play? I play so many games, it don't make sense. Like, <laughs> so I play 2K, Madden, Call of Duty, but I also play different games. Like a lot of people don't know about it. it's like Elden Ring. You got Ghost of Tsushima, like it's a lot of samurai games or a lot of games like it's that. It's like adventure games, like yeah, like type open stuff? world. You call them open world. Open games, world, okay. Like, that's the type of play, yeah. All right. Well, y'all can have all the video games. <laughs> I was offensive lineman, so I got to eat a lot. And so yeah. if I was up late, I was up late eating. eating yeah. You know what I'm saying? So uh, when you, when you look at the, the Seattle Seahawks offense and, and Rashad Penny is out, mm-hmm. you know, Rashad, you, you guys kind of run similar, but he's a bigger body type mm-hmm. dude. So what is it that, what is the dynamic that you're bringing to the, to the offense that, that not made it better than Penny, but just different than right. what he had? Um, I feel like I'm more of a shifty, shiftier back than Penny, you know, but he's a great, like, I'm not. No, we, we, like, we are, he's, we're yeah, all good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, great back, bro. And I love having him with me, but I feel like our difference is uh, the shifting, shiftiness with me He's like more of a downhill runner and big guy. He can, you know, truck people. But I feel like I'm more of a shifty runner than Penny is. So I remember seeing your eight-yard run against the 49ers, and I saw something. I'm like, okay, I see what he's doing. And then I see the jet sweep against the Atlanta Falcons, and I'm like, all right, it's slowing down for him. Like, yeah. he's, he's learning. I'm going to get wide. I'm going to get north, north and south. Every week, do you feel like 
you're seeing the defense a bit more, slowing down for you. Like, how do you feel when you uh, when you get the rocker? Yeah, day? definitely. You know, when I for, even when I first came here, for my fa- first run in practice, we had pads on. And, like, it was a duo, and I ran to, like, the perfect hole, and I second-guessed myself and stopped. Uh-huh. So, like, it was a lot of thinking, like, going on when I first got here. But, like, as the uh, time goes on, especially now, like, during week to week, I feel like I get much better. And, you know, even learning from Penny, he used to tell me about, like, like I said, be more precise. Like, tell me, be more precise about my keys and hitting the hole and never second-guess myself. So, like, just having guys like him and, you know, we got Homer and other uh, older guys in the room, that's a big help for me. Well, I'm, I'm going to, like, uh, flex for myself on Lex this on, one right here. Lex. Uh, so Bumpus and myself and Paul Moore, you were hosting a draft party for the Seahawks, and the, your pick came up, and we're sitting in this green room, if you want to call it that, and I said, man, they're drafting Kenneth Walker right here. And both of these guys were like, oh, no, nah, I think they're going to go receiver. Or, I don't know, it's defensive back. Or something. I'm like, nah, I said this, defense. Something, something yeah, defense. I was like, no, nah, this dude is like a Pete Carroll type of dude, man. I promise you this is where they're going. So I'm excited that you got here because I right. called the pick, first of all. <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> and then, but then secondly, there's a story about even uh, them trying to get in touch with you during the draft. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, so I always have my phone on Do Not Disturb. Like, I always have it on Do Not Disturb. So the day of the draft, even the first night and the second night, like, like the night mm-hmm. I got drafted, um, we worked on, like, my agent was there, my mom, my dad. Like, uh, I turned off Do Not Disturb. I turned my, my phone up and everything. Then I'm, like, getting them to call me to make sure it's working. So they called me, like, five or six times, and it worked every time. So the time come, like, for me to get drafted, and I'm, I'm like, checking my phone, keep checking it. Then I check it again, it's like five missed calls. I'm like, bro, what? Like, I've been sitting here the whole time. I had it on a charger and everything. So then I'm calling back, and then it's like going straight to voicemail, going straight to voicemail. And then I call them again, and then I guess the front desk pick up, and then they like, um, yeah, who are, like they ask the me who I am. Yeah, like they ask, they ask me who I am, and I'm like, I'm Ken Walker. You just called me, blah blah blah. Like I didn't know who it was. I'm like, I'm Ken Walker. Just uh, you just called me. Did she and act like, like she knew who you were or no? They didn't. No, they was like, uh, no, we don't know who you are. We can't take you to the to the. Um, I guess they couldn't flip the like the call or whatever. So yeah. I'm like, dang, I gotta hang up again. Try to call back. Same thing happened. So finally, the call goes through, and I'm able to answer. And then that's when I got on the phone. So it was like a whole little. It was crazy. So what are you feeling in that moment? Are you thinking? Okay, I'm about. Hold on, no, first, let me rewind. Did you look at the area code and say, okay, this is probably a 206 area code that that popped up? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I didn't, I didn't even pay attention. Yeah, no none idea. Of that. No, like I'm trying to just. He was call like, back. I missed like, five calls. I wasn't thinking of none of that. Like I see my uh, myself miss calls. I'm like, bro, I got to call back. Like, so it was a complete surprise when you heard, yeah. okay, Seattle Seahawks. Boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super. Like, cause you know, at the combine, you talk to all these different teams, right? So uh, I talked to Seattle, obviously. I talked to him, and then we had a Zoom call, but that was it. Like, I never visited or anything. And then um, after that, like, we never talked. And then, like, being able to get a call from them, it was, like, crazy because I was so shocked and surprised. That's what's up. That's cool. So you said that uh, you that you and uh, the, the, the big rookies, the big tackles, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, you guys, like Mike was saying, setting it up, all rookies are going to be starters uh, this week. But uh, what what have you seen in them? You talked about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But what have you seen in them that has allowed them to be to have the success they've had, especially Big A? Yeah, I believe it's their confidence, bro, the way they approach the game. You know, they come in working hard every day, not just on the field, but also in the, you know, we in the meetings and everything, always locked in. So, like, I believe uh, their confidence is a big thing, and I talk to them all the time. And they, they don't talk much, but, like, they're real confident, but they're real cool, too. So I feel like, uh, I don't know, they're just making a great impact on the team. Absolutely. Last one we got for you. 
what was that moment like with the family? Mm -hmm. Sharing that moment, knowing that you've worked so hard to get here since you were a little kid. Mm -hmm. I'm sure this was a dream of yours. And to share that with them and then to have a 69-yard touchdown um, this year. What's that moment like? Yeah, it's a blessing for real. You know, like you said, like since a kid, you grow up and uh, you dream of those moments. Like even in high school, college, I used to always like tell my close teammates, I'm like, bro, I won't know what to do if like I make it to the league. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just crazy. And then like after the run and scoring, it was like a dream to me. And it was so surreal because it was like my first NFL touchdown. I'm like, bro, that's crazy. Did you plan that celebration? Drop down to your knees and Uh, pray? That's that's, like been a thing that I've always done, you know, always give, uh, you know, glory glory to God. So like um, I'm just thankful to be in a position I am in today. All right, y'all give it up one time for Ken Walker the third. Thank you. All right, when we return, we're going to go inside the film where we're going to break down Geno Smith's touchdown to Tyler Lockett. Ken Walker, 69-yard touchdown. Awesome. Taysom Hill breaks off a 60-yard touchdown. That's coming up next right here on Hawks Live. All right, so now we're going to go into the film room. Yes, sir. And break this thing down. The first play we're going to break down, Geno Smith finds Tyler Lockett for a 70, excuse me, 35-yard touchdown. So second down and six. 14 seconds to play here in the half. Again, slots to both sides. Smith from the shotgun. Dallas beside him in the backfield. The Saints with three down linemen. They only rush three. Geno steps up in the pocket. Going to let it fly. Down the middle. Got locking. Touchdown! Seahawks! Are you kidding me? Holy catfish! What a perfect throw behind Adebo. Two safeties deep. Quarterbacks deep. And Geno Smith lays a perfect pass under the crossbar to Tyler Lockett for six. What a play. Here's the thing right here. Whenever you hear Steve Verbal say, holy catfish, (laughs) you know something just went down. He said, holy catfish. And I'm going to let you know what went down. So here's the formation. You got a two-by-two set. means two receivers to the right, two receivers to the left. Tyler Lockett is the number one receiver. That means he's the furthest receiver to the outside, to the right of Geno Smith. And what he does, he inside releases the corner. All right, once he inside released, his focus is now on the safety. The corner who's trailing him says, look, I got help over the top so I don't have to sprint. I don't have to run and stay on this guy's hip. I know that I have help over the top with the safety. As soon as Tyler Lockett gets inside and he has the corner beat, his attention is on the safety now. So what he does to widen him out, he leans, he nods. Boom. Once he nods, that safety winds out to the right. It opens up the middle of the field. And what Geno Smith does, he drops a dime over the top. This is what Tyler Lockett does. Now, folks, I wore number 16. <laughs> Not like him. You warmed it up for him. I warmed it up. I said, let this wait about six, six, seven years. Yeah. And, and you're going to have this thing. It was thing. coming. You it, it was, it was coming. coming. But, man, it's impressive, impressive to see this guy continue to get open and move defenders the way he does, Ray. Well, not only that, you know, uh, he, he does a, a very good job this year, too, like just being a leader, too. Like he, it, there's something about him. I think on, being on the field that brings calm to the offense as right. well. So uh, not only was he a great route runner there, uh, but then also the, the concentration to catch the ball. And then if I, I would like to bring some attention back to the to the offensive line, because if in this formation, Gino is in the shotgun, so he's probably like five or six yards from the center, and then he drops back another five yards, and then the pocket, which is 
what the quarterback sits in. So the tackles are responsible for the width of the pocket. The guards and the center are responsible for the depth of the pocket. So this pocket is so deep and, and it's so wide that Geno's able to step up about five or six yards to really put some mustard on this throw and then really get some touch on it. So it really does start, even though it ended with a beautiful dime, it starts with the big uglies up front, bro. What position did he play? <laughs> offensive line. It starts right. and ends with the offensive line. Okay, this next play, Ken Walker, 69-yard touchdown. Walker, the single setback, a tight slot on the right side is Eskridge and Lockett. Gino now walks over to talk to them, comes back to the center, talks to Medcalf, now goes under center on second down and short, turns, hands to Walker. Got a little running room, breaks free, 40, midfield, he is going to go, 40, 30, 20, look at the rookie, touchdown, Seahawks, Ken Walker the third. He's been bumping around in there all afternoon. Finally finds a gap, and he is gone. 69 yards on a touchdown scamper, and the Seahawks have tied this up at 31 apiece. 69-yard touchdown from Ken Walker. I got the old line OG up here. Break it down for me, Ray. Well, it's a it's a single back formation, and uh, and it's gonna it's actually the play that we talked to him about. He was trying to explain while he was up here, but it's a zone play, a split zone, a mid zone, you can call it, to the left. So the play starts out to the left. He's reading that defensive end. So the defensive end is kind of up the field, but the soft spot is in the middle over the guard and the and the center. And so then he cuts it back to his right. And the cool thing about what creates big running plays are two things. One is that you cut the defense, so you create a lane, the defense. So if you are able to see this, there's a lane between Abe Lucas and then the tight end and the two receivers on the backside. And that is the backside lane that he found. And the cool thing about that is that Tyler Lockett, actually, his block is the key to this whole thing. He, he seals off, I think that, that might even be a safety or a linebacker there, which really allows him to kind of open up his stride and get into that 69-yard touchdown. So in order for the running game to work, it is a total team effort. The running back has to have the vision, the offensive line has to have the push, and then the, the receivers downfield have to do their part when they're not catching the ball and at least get in the way of defenders. And that's how that run uh, ended up being a 69-yard touchdown. All right, so he showed the old line some love when it came to that pass play. Thank you for showing the receivers some love when it comes to this Absolutely, run Absolutely, man. It doesn't work without them, hey, bro. It's all a team effort, man. And one of my favorite runs are the zone. Right. I, I love the zone because you got combo blocks. You're reaching. You're getting to linebackers. Receivers have to get in the way of that second level. You get to that third level. We didn't mention D. Eskridge getting just exactly. enough. As a receiver, you, you, you just have to get just enough. Like It doesn't have to be a pancake it block. Not, exactly. You don't have to dominate. You just get in the way and let the running back do his thing. This is a perfect example of everything coming together. All right, this next way, we got Taysom Hill, 60-yard touchdown to seal the game. Two tight ends in the game as well. Taysom Hill. He's going to go left side, and he's going to pick up the first down, and he's going to go all the way for a touchdown. He is down inside the 30. He's being chased. Woolen, can he catch him? Woolen tries to knock the ball out of his hands. Hill gets him for a touchdown. Oh, he giveth and he taketh away. The Seahawks have a huge run by Walker, and they turn right around and give up a big run to Taysom Hill. A 60-yarder, 
as he goes off the left side and the Seahawks are still having a tough time figuring out how to stop Taysom Hill and now the Saints are going to go for two as they have taken a five point lead 37 32. All right another run play tell me what you saw here Ray. Well the thing that I see here is that actually in this game it happened twice when they when they ran a play like this the side they were running to for the for the Seahawks actually slanted into the play yeah which then makes the corner shorter actually and uh especially if you can't get back there to make uh to to create some damage and then uh jordan brooks uh if he this is when you say this game is a game of inches there's a a pulling or a leading fullback uh up into the hole and if he puts his helmet on this guy's outside shoulder versus his inside shoulder. Yeah. He slows that down enough that probably Ryan Neal is going to catch it from, from the backside. He's going to catch up to Taysom Hill from the backside, and then it'll put uh, Quandre Diggs in a better position to come over top to kind of close that gap. Because when you're running to the outside, you're trying to turn everything back to the inside. And in this situation, uh, Tariq Woolen came up, tried to turn it back into Jordan Brooks, and then Jordan Brooks wasn't able to turn it back to the other bad guys, and it created a big hole for Taysom Hill to, to get on his horse and get to the end zone. Big Ray, you described this thing beautifully, and all I see as you are describing this are just little misses, Yes, right? You don't get it on the right shoulder. Um, unfortunate call, you're slanting the other way. You got Quandre trying to fill a gap. He doesn't make a play. And I think that that's kind of been the Achilles heel when it comes to this defense is that you're almost there. Right. It's not like you're so far off. What are you doing? It's like, yeah, I can understand what's going on here. But technique wise, you have to be dang near perfect to eliminate these big plays. Absolutely. And, and you know, people will look at that play and that run and say, well, the defense sucks or the players suck or you need new players or what have you. And really, it's, it's a matter of maybe six to 12 inches is what made the whole difference in that play. And so when we listened to uh, Artie earlier and he was talking about guys getting really comfortable in the defense and really understanding the defense and internalizing the defense so that then they can just play free. They're not trying to think through their assignments yeah. and get. And then you get to where you're going and maybe a little tentative or you're not sure. But when you're able to play free and internalize what you're doing, then you, you end up making the right moves with those six inches. You know, it really, it really is a game of inches. And because I'm telling you, like, if if his if if he had taken if De if uh, Jordan Brooks had taken his left shoulder and went through the left shoulder of the puller, yeah. that ball would have bounced back inside, and that's where all the the defensive the bad guys are, as we say. All the bad guys. It's all about inches. That is real. Okay, that was Geno Smith finding Tyler Lockett for a 35-yard touchdown. Ken Walker, 69-yard touchdown, and Taysom Hill breaks one off for 60. When we return, it is time to talk that talk. We'll talk about Rashad Penny, Tariq Woolen, and Bruce Irvin. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Ray, I just want to point out that um, that music that you just heard, that is classic yes, football, it is. and it gets me going. Every time, man. Like, I, it, all the Monday night football across time, the, the music is, I used to play, you know, you play uh, pick up, get tackled, like everyone's just on the field, and you just throw the football up, whoever catches it. Kill the carry is what we called oh, it back in my Well, day. we called it pick up and get tackled. So anytime, <laughs> anytime I would... <laughs> I know, yeah, I know. <laughs> I ain't going there. And, uh, 2022. <laughs> not going there, guys. But uh, I would, when I would pick the football up, that music would play in my head. Uh, and then, dude, nobody could tackle me. Nobody. Nobody. Especially like, yo, yo, big, you know what? Yeah. Ain't nobody tackling you. Well, just a little, you know, I was a running back until eighth grade. 
He was also well, the biggest dude out there. No, past I, I was Before I, I, I was though. I had skills, Bump. Like, you, what are you talking about? I'm not saying you I, didn't have skills. I kicked that thing to the sideline. It was done. Gone. Knees Especially up. if one of my shoes came off, it, I felt like it was like turbo. It made me faster. <laughs> and so I would be like, hey, that shoe came off. They're not going to catch me. Turbo the boost. problem was that every time I scored, my dad bought me a foot-long hot dog. And so then... <laughs> I, I ate myself out of position. You put the weight on. There you go. And now you were the 10th pick in the NFL <laughs> draft on the offensive line. Yeah. So, so uh, thank you, uh, uh, Papa Roberts, for making Absolutely. my guy who he is today. But let's talk about these these Arizona Cardinals, man. They're such a, a volatile team. Yeah. You, like, you don't know what you're going to get from these guys. You got Kyler Murray, who is clearly one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league, not one of the best quarterbacks, but one of the most talented and then you look at their running back situation. They have three running backs down last week, Ray. Right. So if there's anything that's looking in the Seahawks' favor is that the running back situation might be suspect because the Hawks are last in the NFL against the run. Yeah, and the thing that they, they can't do in this game is allow whoever they put in the backfield to beat them. Right. They, they have to, this is a game where they have to completely shut down the running game. And then you have to know that they're going to have a handful of design runs for Kyler Murray, where it's a draw play or what have you. Then he's going to have his scrambles. So you can't allow him and, and, and those running situations to, uh, to beat this defense. And you can't uh, allow him every time that he decides to scramble to keep the chains moving. Yeah. So you're going to want him to you want them to shut down the run and then make him prove that he can throw the ball and beat you. If I think if you get to that place, uh, I don't think I think the Seahawks are, I'm not going to say it's going to be a cakewalk, but it'll be an easier game if you can get to those things done. Yeah, the um the unscripted things are the things that worry me the most mm -hmm. about the Arizona Cardinals because you can have the perfect defense for a smash concept, the perfect defense for a zone concept. But when that young man gets in the backfield and he passes the ball two or three times and he scrambles all across the yard, um, there's no plan for that. No. <laughs> you just got to depend on your eyes and, and depend on guys getting to the football. So that's the X factor for me. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, with James, I think James Conner may be even down yep. again this week. He was their leading rusher. And then Kyler Murray is a second. I think there's another running back that has 136 yards, and Kyler has 135. So essentially he's their second leading rusher. So you can't allow him to be their leading rusher yeah. and throw the ball uh, and effectively. So it's going to be important for the pass rushers to get after him get some hits on him get him get his feet happy so he's not like looking down the field a lot and then uh and then the secondary i think play a little bit tighter you know what i'm saying I, I don't other than hollywood brown who has some speed i don't think there's a they have a receiver that can just outrun you down the field but so i think they can kind of squeeze the, the coverage a little bit make him make some tight uh you know uh, precise throws and i think the defense will have a chance at least i don't want to say it's a get right game but perform better than they have in the last few weeks and then offensively i'm looking to see if the hawks can continue to like you say at least be a threat to run the football mm -hmm. right you don't have to rush for 200 yards it'd be nice right you want to rush for 200 yards but if you can have three-yard, four-yard gains, break one for 15, 20 yards, it makes that defense have to play the run, and then it allows Geno to do what he's been doing, which is play-action, toss the ball down the field. And when the play-action is working, that means the tight ends are heavily involved in this game. Yeah, I, I think if they, if they stay to their plan, man, and, like, uh, get targets to all the, the tight ends using the running backs, 
obviously the receivers, get them involved in the game. But I, I really do think if, if uh, Kenneth Walker can have somewhere between 60 to 100 yards, I think the offense will be clicking because that means that Geno's probably going to scramble for like another 15 or 20, and then DJ Dallas is probably going to have another 10 or 12. And so that's going to get you like close to, you know, over 100 yards in the rushing game. And if that's happening, then that means that this offense has a chance to stay on schedule and, uh, and they can just still use all their play action. They can still use their short routes to the tight ends, their intermediate routes to the tight ends. They can take their shots down the field to DK and, and uh, Tyler. And then I think we'll see a lot of what we've seen the rest of the, the start of the year. And then we have to get the offense back to being efficient on third downs. They were one for eight, one for nine on third downs. Before last week, they were top three when it right. comes to third down efficiency. And we're not used to that. We're used to seeing this offense being in the, the bottom three when yeah. it comes to third down. So I, I'd like to see that get going too. And the thing that hurt them last week were the penalties. Like it's, and it's, it's hard to convert you know third and double digits you know, and getting those penalties on second down. So a lot of people think, like, the third down efficiency is a piece that you have to win, but you really have to win first down because first down sets the tone for the re- for the next two downs. So you can't have negative plays on first down. You can't have penalties on second down and then put you in those third and long situations You because then in that situation, the defense is at the advantage with the calls they can make. When you get to second and five or third and four and short, then you have your whole playbook at your disposal to, to, to call plays. Otherwise, it's third and ten third and 11 third and 20 just it's hard to find calls for that and so i think they found themselves in that situation too much last last week and so this week hopefully those penalties cut down they're most successful on first down give them a better chance to be successful on third all right that all sounds good hey clap it up one time for my guy ray Roberts for joining us on thursday all right hey special thanks to darren urban Artie burns ken walker for joining the show our Onboard operator, Brady Robic, on-site engineer, Brenner Rogers, production assistant, Nishant Kandapudi, Mr. 145, and our executive producer, Nasa Chobi. The Seahawks pregame show is live this Sunday at 10 a.m. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Bumpus, with Ray Roberts. We'll see you next week right here on Hawks Live.